0: Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Rocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. Today's guest is Fabio Michelli, the founder of Sono. For those of you who don't know, Sono started as a bed-in-a-box D2C company, but has now evolved into a full-sleep brand with both online and offline channels. Thank you very much for being here, Fabio. Talk, Kevin. Thanks so much for, for having me. Excellent. Excellent. So I always want to know the origin story. So take me back. How did you decide to become an entrepreneur in the first place? And how did you settle on mattresses and sleep products? Okay, how I became an
1: entrepreneur that's uh that's I think always something that was in my DNA. I always wanted to run a business I started when I was young you know 18 19 I started the first few businesses. Uh, I was a music producer I started my career in music and I was running my own recording studio. Then I actually moved into digital and tech over ten years ago. Uh, I started with Airbnb in the Italian team that was in charge of developing the market back then. And Airbnb was not what, what Airbnb is today. Like most of the people didn't know that, and but I was really passionate about their, their, their mission and their vision, the way that, you know, they were helping people uh, really exploring uh, local um, travels in a very different way compared to, to the hotel industry. Uh, and since then, I I, I was in, in digital. Uh, after Airbnb, I moved to Malaysia. I did about four or five years of digital marketing consultancy. So I was mainly helping companies and brands, SMEs first, but then also um, global brands into managing their, their social media, their brand presence online, uh, acquisition online, and, and e-commerce before starting Sonno. Um, and i started sono out of uh out of a problem i would say i i was actually going for mattress shopping together with my with my wife which is now also my business partner and um i noticed that mattress shopping was like was was very boring was really not working like there was big problems there um first of all the experience was was very bad you had to go to a mattress store where you could see dozens of mattresses just uh one after another um you had to lay down 10 minutes 15 minutes uh on a mattress um the variety was very big like so you got so many mattresses to choose on a majority of the people don't really know what what is needed for them the difference between the materials what is good for them so very very confusing and then last was the price. So prices were very very expensive. So we're talking talking in Malaysian ringgit here since I'm based in Malaysia 8000, 10000, 12000 ringgit which is a lot for 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 a decent for a decent mattress. So since my background was in digital marketing and, and e-commerce, I I thought there must be a better way to sell mattresses online. And so I started digging into it doing a lot of research. And I discovered this technology. The technology was allowing to compress the mattress, vacuum compress the mattress and put inside a small box. So saving a lot of money on logistics, on delivering. Um, and so I decided to jump into it. You know, we So we designed and developed this high quality mattress that we could vacuum compress and put inside this small, beautiful box. Uh, we offer free delivery and we also offer 100 nights trial so that our customers can actually sleep on the mattress um for a hundred nights before decided if they want to keep it if it's for them if it's working if they can sleep well because ultimately that's that's the goal right um and this is this is how we started so we started out of a problem we came up with a with a high quality product and we improve all processes and all experience related to that purchase right um and since then we expanded into a range of sleeping products we have over 25,000 customers, we have over 5,000 uh, five-star reviews online, uh, and we have a range of about 10 products at the moment. So we expanded into pillows, bed bedsheets, uh, toppers, and everything that can actually help people uh, sleep better. And, and we've been very very mission driven i would say since since really day one we wanted to build a sleep company that could help people sleep better and 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 live well because because we spent a third of our life sleeping that's a lot like that means when when you're 60 you spent 20 years of your life sleeping and we see that there is usually a lot of attention to food to what we eat there is usually a lot of attention to you know doing exercise keep keep yourself in shape and go to the gym but the third pillar pillar of a healthy lifestyle which is sleep is is very often underrated but it's equally important as the other two because if you eat well but if you don't sleep that you're not going to you're not going to be healthy you know so uh, same for exercise if you do a lot of a lot of sport uh uh to keep yourself healthy but you don't sleep well you know that that doesn't work so that's that's equally important they have to work together and and I, I saw an opportunity, and I and I just went there.
0: Okay, okay. No, I I, th- I think it's it's really interesting how you navigated through recognizing the problem statement to so wanting to do something about it. But let me ask because this is a physical product. How did you go about establishing your first product? Did you have to figure out where you can manufacture it? Did you have to go through uh, product testing? Walk me through a little bit of that process to get your first. I don't know if we really use mVp in the physical products world mm-hmm. but what did, what did it take to get a first saleable sellable product
1: yeah I think this was to me that was the exciting part because I spent so many years working in um you know working online technologies and working very often with uh things that I couldn't touch and for me that was the most exciting thing you know I wanted to work with something that I could touch and feel um so to me, that that portion was was amazing and was great so what we did is we did a lot of research so we put together all the uh you know the products that were available in malaysia products that were available in europe in the us trying to understand and study the materials what was the, the best material to develop mattresses and what were the best technologies available and the and the, actually the um the coming up technologies you know and, and materials that were uh, available in back in 2017 when uh, when we started so from there we developed we developed a few a uh, few prototypes we found we talked to uh i think it was about 5 6 different manufacturers that could actually develop those products uh we initially developed a manufacturer in china because in Malaysia, the technology to compress the mattress was not available, so we had to go to to China for that. Um, so I got in touch with manufacturer. I went there. I, I I I developed prototypes, and then we tested. We tested personally. We tested test, tested through the circle of friends and people that could help us um, here in Malaysia, basically. And and from there, we we picked one product, one mattress that for us was the best. Was given the best balance between, uh, you know, between uh, the comfort that we wanted to give and the price point that we thought was uh, was making sense for 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 this market, and from there we started. Um, but I also have to say that that was not the last product. Of course, we we got a lot of we got a lot of feedback from customer, and especially when customers were returning the product, uh, we were asking the customers to fill a survey where we could gain all the feedback and all the details about what was not working about the product they got and from there we did a we did a few iterations of the product until we really uh, found really sweet spot because even our return rate you know when we when we offer the trial People, our customers are able to return the mattress if they're not comfortable with it, and the return rate is probably one of the lowest in the industry globally. So that really means we got our product like uh, right. You know, our our customers love the product. So, so that was the journey. Develop initially uh, something that we thought was right with some product testing. That was our MVP, and then we put it in the market. We iterate a few times over. I would say the first year, roughly year and a half. We did a few iterations until we got a product right. And 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 then uh, after that, we could scale it a little.
0: So there's a couple of things that I'd be very interested to unpack out of this, because getting into the manufacturing side and trying to figure out who the manufacturer is, trying to figure out the prototype and all of that, Coming from, you know, Airbnb and digital marketing, I'm going to guess that this is probably the first time of dealing with a manufacturer and probably the first time of manufacturing a mattress as well. How did you try and establish kind of the knowledge set in the first place to have the conversations with the manufacturers in regards to what the raw materials are, the components, the process, the timing All of these different aspects to really be able to comprehensively understand the cost and the price point that you're trying to target. And then I guess that links up to being able to effectively run these surveys when you did have returns of knowing what are the right questions to ask.
1: Mm -hmm so for the first question uh i suppose it's just a lot of research and study. so luckily um my wife that is also my business partner got some experience with that product so she knew a little bit because with them actually when she was studying at university she was working part-time on a on a store that was selling high-end mattresses so she knew a little bit so we were not really starting completely from scratch mm-hmm. um so but apart from that i think is really study a lot and research a lot and try to analyze and then after that um it's really building the relationship with the supplier and at the end of the day um like any business relationship it's it's a matter of teamwork you know so working together to try to understand so what we can bring to the table uh and what they could bring to the table you know sometimes um and I think this is one of those cases uh, not having a lot of knowledge of one specific industry or one specific product it's it's um, it, it's actually good because you don't start with a lot of um, uh, presets you know in your mind mm-hmm. and sometimes those when we were discussing with our manufacturer sometimes we we, we we were coming up with questions that they were you know they that the manufacturer never really asked themselves you know because we had no knowledge so we we were like babies. Pretty much, you know. <laughs> you know, sometimes the kids they, they come up with this silly questions, but but you're like, but but let you think about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that the kind of uh, relationship and and the way that the products and um, evolve is 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 this way, you know. Try you know to change the status quo. Sometimes it's much easier. You have no knowledge about that industry and you're coming up fresh, so that you can really change things you know because otherwise if you've been in the industry for 20 years you're probably at a stage it's much more difficult to innovate and to change your skin you know you're just used to work in a certain way develop products in a certain way so I think it was good for us and it was good for them and and ultimately I think it's teamwork you know working together side by side so we really picked our um our manufacturing partner, carefully Mm -hmm. and
0: and we went through this together i would say okay so so taking some of that kind of not having the presets and and kind of moving away from the status quo When you did, when you were ready to go to market and you you tested it, you were ready to go to market, Mm. you know, to establish a D2C approach within a space that has historically not had that as a selling channel, how did you approach the product awareness and the marketing strategy in order to build those first customers to take the chance on you?
1: Um. Yeah, that that was probably the most difficult part. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the cold always... start is
0: always. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think I think when you start a business as an entrepreneur, you know, you're just too excited and overexcited about what you have in mind that you just want to start and you, and uh, and you just believe that you're going to kill it, you know. And, and that's <laughs> and that's how you have to approach it because otherwise, you're not going to make it. Yeah, for sure. There's a bit
0: of irrational optimism that you just like yeah, for exactly, whatever reason exactly. you just know you're going to make it. Correct. Correct.
1: So, and then, and then you start and getting the first few sales is, is challenging. Uh, at least this was our case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest uh, the biggest problem for us was, you know, we were selling online back in 2017, November 2017, when we started. A product was, you know, two, three thousand ringgit um, to buy online from a brand you have never heard before. Mm-hmm. So, that's pretty expensive, you know. That, that's a lot of money, and and I can understand that. So I think build that trust, um, in the space. Uh, that was the probably the biggest challenge, and get the first the first you know first few sales. Uh, how we approach it was um, mainly online. And we establish our brand presence on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and then we started running some some ads. Uh, I think influencer marketing was definitely not where it is today, uh, was not as developed. Um, and I think it was changing from um, content creator that were bloggers to basically Instagrammers, right? So mm-hmm. it was that moment. Um, and so it was a little confusing. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I think we missed something there. Uh, we could have done a little better. But it was mainly... It was mainly, you know, media buying online. That's that's how we how we did it. And then um, and then was really improving every day, every week, every month, something. So I would say that we never we never got to a, a point where a particular initiative, campaign, or whatever that that made the difference. It was really incremental like every month a little adjustment you know every month we were changing something every month we were improving the website improving uh the ads that we were running um, you know trying something new a lot of testing a lot a lot of testing and a lot of try and, and, mm-hmm. and error it was pretty much like that so this is how we got the first the first few customers but but again it was painful uh again when you when you start you're just too excited and that you just think that customers are going to come well, customers are not going to come <laughs> you know better, <laughs> better at least you start that way then then if uh, if it's actually the case that it goes viral for any reason you get yeah. tons of customers since since the first week that's great mm. that's what what we all hope and would love to see but reality is in majority of the cases is different and and i think also what you know, media unfortunately have been creating a, a wrong perception of mm-hmm. what is building a business. You know, because we only hear of success stories. You know, you know, you only read about companies and brands and startups that they that they you know they go into business. You know, first month they get you know mm-hmm. millions of things. Uh, you know, thousands of products sold, um, which is great. It might happen, but but it's very uh, unlikely, and it's really a minority. So um but I think that's where that's where you have to show the passion and the love for what you're doing you Mm -hmm. know and and you have to keep going you know that that's and I think that it's a never-ending you know it doesn't get any better once you grow once you know there's a lot of different challenges but um but still a lot of problems that you have to solve on a daily basis and always find new ways of running the business so um, I think that was the beginning and um and the challenge that I was you know of, of getting first first few customers was, was definitely not easy. But um again, once we got a first few transactions, we just tried to talk to customers. Mm-hmm. At the beginning was a pretty much a one-man show. So I was covering, you know, customer support, marketing, social media. Uh I was getting a few freelancers <laughs> to help me, but I, the, I was, many it hats. was a, yeah, <laughs> I was really wearing all the hats. Um <laughs> but that was also good because i really got a chance to really talk to customers like on a daily yeah. basis that was uh, if i if i was not sleeping i mm. was replying customers and talking to customers like seven days a week from you know from seven in the morning till you know 1 a.m at night and i think that that got me gave me the opportunity to understand customer challenges you know why they were not buying what mm-hmm. was the problem uh, if it was about the price if it was about the experience if it was the product so and 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 especially in the first 12 months that's immensely valuable like you mm-hmm. have to you have to do that like you have to talk to customers every day that's the only way to improve and understand what is not working um so that's that's how we how we grew basically
0: yeah i i love I love the aspect of really getting out and and talking to customers I mean the fact that you have to wear many different hats i I am curious because of the price point do you find that a lot of people that come and discover sono and are interested in buying still want to have a conversation and call up a cost- customer service rep, put in a phone call just to kind of push them over the edge maybe more so in the early days than now or how how is that?
1: Yeah, I think it was in the early days, and it's still now, uh, especially in a in a country like Malaysia. Maybe mm-hmm. some other, maybe more advanced markets like the US, where um, where you know there's a there there at a different maturity stage. Um, so they probably have no problem. You know, spending 500 bucks online. So mm-hmm. from a brand they've never heard, they they actually like it. You know, they want to be the first. Yeah. Malaysia is very different. You know, they they don't want to make mistakes and. Um, you know, if they, there is no trust, that, that's very difficult. Um, so yeah, to answer your question it's very important and it's something that we've been doing and we've been building over time and, uh, that component is key. Um, and, and when customers can talk to someone, uh, or even just WhatsApp to someone, mm. uh, I think that makes the difference, uh, in customer, um, decision and in the yeah, customer journey the,
0: the the personal touch in order yeah, to yeah. in order to get them over over when you look at it um and you you were doing media buying and you've kind of evolved that you've spoken to a lot of customers how how did you originally identify your kind of customer persona and has that evolved as you guys have been in market been speaking to customers has there been any evolution of who you think would be the initial buyers and who actually is
1: Mm. um well that's that's i would say that's a tricky topic in the sense that um of course we got an idea we always target you know urban we definitely were focused on on klang valley which is kuala lumpur region mm-hmm. uh kuala lumpur area um uh, we we pretty much uh position as a mid mid to high rather than low end we're definitely not ma- uh, mass market but we pretty much position in the Mass premium, the so-called mass premium, um, but also what we learn is that I don't know if you're familiar with Facebook ads, which has always been one of our major major um, acquisition channel. Uh, has a has a magic tool called lookalike audiences. Yep. So uh, with that, basically Facebook learns from the customers that you get and finds more customers with you know, which has similar habits and purchase behavior as your current customers. And I think um, and I think you can get a little lost on there, you know, in the sense that you start from, you know, you initially have a certain demographic, a certain target audience, you know, um, a certain geographical location and everything. But once you grow and you rely more on these automated tools, then there is a risk that you don't know who's your customer anymore because you're really giving it to Facebook and this mm-hmm. uh, tools online to understand. Um, how do we solve that? And how, we, how do we keep track and, and make sure that we are on track is we usually have uh, surveys. Um, we have annual surveys so that we can understand who our customers are. and And then from there, it's usually understanding how we can get better with this target audience and how we can go into new target audiences, you know. So it's it's with a new product, it's just changing our communication mm-hmm. uh or going into a different channel. Um so that's something that is about how we want to approach it and it's a strategic approach to it. But that's how we we keep track of who our customers are and 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 what they do, where they are um and and understand what they like and what they don't about our product what can be improved and what they think okay okay
0: and uh, what what was what was the what was the timing or what was and and what was the logic behind expanding beyond the bed in a box and 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 looking to become a full sleep brand What, what what were what were the trigger points that pushed you in that direction
1: so that has always been there in the sense that mattress was a for us a starting point. Like we of course the mattress is the biggest purchase, the most important purchase that can make a difference in your sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not the only one. So for us, since since day one, we wanted to be a sleep company. We didn't want to be a mattress company, wanted to be a sleep company. So we started with a mattress and then uh, we knew that we got upselling and cross selling opportunities we knew that we could develop products that could complement the experience you know the, you start with a mattress but it's also important to have good bed sheets, you know that can mm-hmm. be breathable that can be smooth that can help you sleep better you know um so so has always been there it's not that we became something that you know over time something that we uh you know by chance we always wanted to get there and um, and and the mattress was just the starting point for us that's that's the difference
0: okay. and so now as as far, as far as the additionals, what where what all have you expanded into in order to get the full scope of it? You talked about pillows, is it all is it on the full bed dressings and all of that?
1: Yeah. So the, yeah, pretty much full bed dressing. And as well, last year in August, we launched our first furniture piece, which is a bed frame. Uh, I would say that the top two questions being, you know, managing customer support since day one, and I saw what were the top questions since day one, (laughs) we always got two main questions. First Mm -hmm. one was where can I try the product when I can touch and feel the product? And the second was, uh, do you have bed frames? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very natural, very obvious. obvious. Uh, there are two main customer categories, the ones that are moving into a new apartment and mm-hmm. the ones that are just upgrading their products, right? And if you're part of the first group, so you're moving to a new apartment or house mm-hmm. into a new place, most likely you will also need a bed frame or you will want to upgrade or or get a new bed frame because you need it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's also something that we work on for a very long time. I think it took uh, about two years and a half to develop the bed frame. Um, Really took long. Um, uh, We work with very, very talented industrial designers and we came up with a product that is easy, that is, first of all, great quality, is solid wood, that is easy to assemble because one of the challenges that we saw, um, when we, when we surveyed about what customers are expecting about a bed frame, uh, is that it's easy to assemble. People mm-hmm. don't want to spend, you know, half a day assembling a bed frame or they want to, you know, we all love Ikea. I love Ikea I mean, <laughs> I've been getting furniture on Ikea since, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago, yeah. but but I really don't like <laughs> Last time I got a bed, I really spent my entire afternoon assembling that. So I don't want to do that. Sure. And, and, and customers really value their time. So we wanted something mm-hmm. easy to assemble. So there are no tools. So you can just you know, uh, uh, assemble with a few knobs that, that are available. And uh, it's just beautiful and easy to assemble. So that's that's uh, one of our latest pieces. So we cover the bed, so whatever you need for the mattress and complement mm-hmm. your mattress pillows bolster bed sheet uh mattress protector and so on uh and the bed base which is also core for your for your bedroom
0: mhm Okay, you know it's it, it, the the interesting thing is because there's a recurring theme about the feedback coming in from customers. It was it was what drove you through the prototyping of of the of the bed in the first place. It's what drove you towards the bed frame as we're just talking about. There's a lot of insights that you've highlighted that are coming from customers, that are, and it just, it does make you wonder as your customer list has expanded, how have you been able to put in the systems to ensure that when you are contacting customers, that you're extracting as much useful information as possible. Is it purely the construction of surveys or are there additional steps that go on that create that?
1: Uh, There are more always on activities because I mean, currently we have a customer experience team Mm -hmm. and with all the tools that that I use to be in touch and talk to the customers, course we are, we have certain uh certain things that we use and certain tools that we use to track what customers are asking why are not they're not buying what is the problem um so so there are additional things apart from you know yearly or periodical surveys that that we actually do and I think that's uh maybe maybe not the only thing that counts but almost <laughs> in the sense that uh mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're you're you know Selling something to customers, you have to make sure that what you do is is needed, is 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 right, is you know. Uh, so so I think that's the reason why probably this customer feedback is is coming up often, you know, also in our conversation.
0: Okay. Okay. And you now have a customer list of 25,000, if I remember what you said in the beginning, that's a, that's a quite an extensive list. What's is there a frequency with which you try and have a touch point with them or what does the customer success team try and drill down into on, on some sort of cadence?
1: Yeah, I think on that end, we have a, a pretty strong CRM that we use and, and a lot of automation. I think mm. when you get into this stage, uh, you need them so we use certain tools that allow us to be in touch with them um sometimes upselling and cross-selling sometimes sure. just tell the brand story uh so that's that's how that's that's what we do with them mm-hmm. and um and then now that we actually have a store uh, uh, an offline store that's also and, and it's one of the plans for this year to make use of it to um to continue building our community and strengthen you know the relationship with our community so we have we have a series of events that we are that we're planning for for this year um so it's not just online which is which is great and um very much scalable but i think Mm -hmm. as you also mentioned before the personal touch the fact that they can talk to someone um put a face to the brand sometimes you know and see how real we are because i think there is still this 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 connection in a way, you know, sometimes people don't see that behind a screen, behind a brand online, there are people, right? Um, And uh, I think that's very, very important to build that community for us. So, yeah, it's mainly making use of CRM CRM tool tool that we have, uh, and as well building uh, other initiatives to strengthen the relationship with them. Okay, okay.
0: You you mentioned the store as well. And I, I want to touch on that because you know, starting out as a D2C company fully online, driving sales via the online platform, to then opening physical locations is, is a is a big jump. Mm. And so I, I am quite curious of why you decided to launch physical locations for one, and then two lessons learned along the way of transitioning from fully digital to now hybrid?
1: Um, so on why we did it, it's uh, I think it's a kind of a nature, it's pretty natural for for us in the sense that, uh, especially for the category we're into, um, as I mentioned be- so before, this has always been the number one question since mm-hmm. day one. So people wanted to have the chance to touch and feel it. Of course, there are still a lot of customers that they're fine, very Comfortable in buying online, complete our journey there, that's fine. But there's still a another a very big portion of customers which they are not, and they prefer to go offline. So on why that that's that's the answer. We we've been thinking of that since very long time, and we wanted to do that since very long time. Then pandemic happened, and 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 I mean we luckily didn't do it before the pandemic. Uh <laughs> and, and during those two years of the pandemic, we were um very well positioned I think we were very lucky mm-hmm. most of the businesses it was it was pretty much tough for everyone but we were just lucky to be you know in the right time uh the right place right um, industry
0: I have to imagine during the pandemic when everyone's locked at home they spent a lot of time trying correct. to think of how they could change their home environments as well correct, yeah correct
1: yes correct but but then the the challenge was more operational because mm. Still not easy to operate during the pandemic, you know, mm. with uh you know, with uh limited maybe deliveries that can be done, yep. Yep. Uh, manufacturing having problems. So but over two years we managed to never stop manufacturing, never stop delivering. So that okay. was that was very important for us, and I think it was a great achievement by, by the entire team. Um and so we could benefit of that, of course. Yeah. But then okay. after I think was uh uh end of 2021 when uh government started you know relaxing the mm-hmm. the measures um we really saw a big shift like customers wanted to go offline i mean that's understandable of course mm-hmm. after two mm-hmm. years lock at home um so so we tried to speed up on that and start in january 2022 January last year so about a year ago we started trying to push for uh find a location and and find a place that we could call home and we could we can use to um uh, let our customers to, to come and have a look for themselves or uh, the product we offer and the product, that we, the, the brand that we are. So the reason, the reason is pretty much that has mm-hmm. always been the first request from customers. So, uh, you know, connecting, what do we say before? It's just about listening yeah. to customers. If This is what customers want. Sure. Um, uh, that's what we that's what we give them. And for for us, it was not not only a place where customers can try the product. But we we also tried to develop a place where customers can experience the brand, understand who we are, our values. Mm-hmm. So we develop in a way that customers can have privacy when they try mattresses. It's not overwhelming. You know, the music, the smell, uh, the privacy they can get is just very different you know where stuff is wearing pajama you know mm-hmm. so that's it's a total different environment <laughs> compared to most of the traditional mattress brands and, and and mattress stores that that you've been sure and in terms of lesson learn um lesson learn uh well i i would say i would say the the real power of omnichannel like we've been mm-hmm. hearing this a lot and especially the past few years you know everyone is mentioning this but reality is that it's already here you know this is this is how it happens nowadays you know very often you discover product online and i think for for discovery social media and online platforms still probably the best way but for customers is equally important to experience something you know uh especially in our category you know where you have to spend Mm -hmm. a lot of money right Mm -hmm. um so I think it's the power of Omnichannel and how this thing can work very well, how you can build a better customer journey and how the touch points are from mm. online to offline, uh and vice versa as well. You know, so so I think this is this is what we learn. Um, okay. Over the past few months
0: uh, do you do you find uh, that there's that there's people that simply want to stop into the store to kind of showroom it and are comfortable with ordering online or people come in with the intent of making the purchase then and there or is it a bit of a mix
1: yeah it's definitely a mix we have people just you know just walk in they they see the store they they you know they find it nice they want to understand more they they mm. try some products um And then depending on what they want to buy, because again, we have products from 99 ringgit, uh, which is about $20 to, you know, 3000 ringgit, you know, so depending on what they're looking for, they might go back online, you know, Mm. and, um, and especially for, for high ticket items, the, the journey is very complex. There are tons of touch points online and offline, you know, and bouncing back. Uh, to each other, so so yeah, it might happen that after they go to store, they go online and and they make a purchase online. Yeah, why not? And okay. and this is what we this is what we want to offer. Want to be ready and want to be there, whatever customers want to do. You know, if they're from online, they want to come offline. If they want to buy and pick up and collect the product already mm-hmm. because they need it urgently, uh, or if they walk in and then want to go online and you know get it delivered, uh, or if they want to ship to parents, you know, very often we see customers are buying mattresses or products for their parents, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. based in another city uh, in Malaysia, you know, so uh, we just want to be there for whatever customers needs.
0: Okay, okay from from the from the product side um you know when you when you think about a mattress it ha- it has a longer lifespan but when you think of some of these other items you know pillows come to mind you know uh ultimately they're going to lose their spring it's going to end up flattening down a little bit i know that happens to me mm. particularly um so is the is is part of the aspect of tra- wanting to introduce them is one to get the all in one solution, but two to be able to get some level of recurrence, and by having these systems in place with your customers to be able to continue to make sure that you remain top of mind at all times.
1: Correct. That's that's exactly like that. I mean, in some cases customers again as we as we said I mentioned about the two groups: the people that are moving in and the customers that are just want to upgrade. Very often when they move in, they will just want to buy the entire set. You know, so they want to buy the mattress, the frame, the pillows, the bed sheets, and, and the protector because they have baby. So they want to get the entire set. And we want to be there uh when they ask for that. Um, but at the same time, more often, customers might buy an accessory and mm-hmm. then upgrade to other products later, you know, buy the mattress later on when they're moving or where they're or after they have Learn how good our products are and the difference mm-hmm. that they've made in their sleep. Um, so upselling across selling opportunities—that's that's also very, very very important.
0: Okay, okay. So looking forward, transitioning to something a little bit more forward-looking. What's next for Sono? What's what's the what's the ambition in say one year, three year time period?
1: So what we see is uh, definitely working offline. Uh, we want to expand our our network. We I, I think we have been learning from our store and the potential that 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 it has, and um, um, we really see demand for much more than just one store. So definitely, that we want to expand that 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 network, um, and then continue building the community, making sure that we also leverage on this network uh, of stores that to. Um, make sure that people love the brand and we can make a difference in their lives.
0: Is When you, when you look at achieving those, is, is there a metric that you try and analyze by is, is it number sold? Is it a purely revenue? Is it something on average ticket size? Is, is there, is, are there specific numbers that you kind of manage the business around?
1: Well, it's a lot of them, <laughs> It's <really laughs> a lot of them. Um, but um but depending depending on, on the period of course and, and every year might be slightly different. Of course, we focus on a few main metrics that we wanna uh that we wanna measure. Um whether it is uh revenues or um uh or repeat buyers, uh, you know, so so really depends on different at different stages of the of the of the company metrics mm-hmm. can be slightly different. So it's very very hard to just mention one and say, this is our north sure. star. It's just very, very difficult. Um but um but yeah, if I have to pick one, you know, it's 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 revenues. But but again, it would be really we have a lot of other metrics, you know, customer satisfaction, we have NPS, we have, we have tons of other metrics that we look at um, you sure. know, every week and every month. Uh so will be unfair for them
0: <laughs> i think it sounds like yeah there's a lot of trickle down on the metrics depending upon what department and what uh objective Correct. each individual Correct. has um yeah. very cool let me let me wrap up here with my final closing questions the questions that i ask everyone so the first one of these is is what is a tech tool that you just cannot live without
1: good question uh i would say first that comes to mind is actually trello uh we've been using trello since i don't know very very long and i think is i always loved it because it's so easy to use so straightforward but it just get things done you know Mm -hmm. and uh and especially when you have a team and you want to make sure that everyone is aligned on what has to be done and priorities i think it's just yeah i always loved it that's that's really my favorite by far.
0: Very cool. Very cool. As last one here. If you were to talk to another aspiring entrepreneur that's just getting started out, what would the biggest piece of advice that you could offer?
1: Well, since uh, since we mentioned so many times, <laughs> I think I would have to say, listen to your customers and talk to your customers. <laughs> I and mean, uh wouldn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> so... Yeah. But I think especially early stages. But I don't think that it changes once you grow. Uh, that's that's what is it's the fuel, you know, of what you do, you know. And yeah. uh, so that's that's what you have to do. Sometimes it's not easy because you know dealing especially um, B two C, and um, you know problems might happen. So you might get you know frustrated customers that are um, not happy about delivery uh, or, or other things. So sometimes can be can get frustrating but but of course you need to uh be able to filter what is important what is more valuable you know rather than 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 not um but I but I think that's still the most important thing that a young entrepreneur can look at you know and really talk to people talk to customers and understand their problems and uh and how to solve their challenges
0: very good very good listen to your customers listen to your customers that's fantastic advice fabio thank you very much for walking me through the history of sono and all of the insights on what it has taken you in order to build it to where it is today
1: thanks it's been a pleasure i know you got some very important uh, guests over over time i hope that was interesting enough
0: we're happy to have you among that list fabio thanks man thank you All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.